Hello and welcome to College Talk. It's your host, Beth Brandon, and as always, I am super excited that you've decided to join me here today on College Talk. Um, As we have been talking about for the past, this is the second week of this series, we're going to be talking about FAFSA myths and then some FAFSA facts. So we're going to kind of bust a myth that is oot and a boot about the FAFSA, and then what we're going to do is we're also going to focus on something... Uh, that's really helpful to know about the FAFSA as well. We're going to break down some of the things on that form just so that A, it doesn't feel quite so scary and mysterious, and B, it's a lot easier to go through and move through once you know what this form is all about because that's what it is a form. But before we jump into today's message, information thing, uh, I just want to have a, a few announcements Um get those out of the way okay so first and foremost of course we do have our website which is podcastcollegetalk.weebly.com there's great resources on there that are totally free and by resources I mean there's worksheets there are uh, I mean frankly there's there's worksheets that go through what uh, the FSA ID and the FAFSA are Uh, there's things to help with time management and you know planning out your week if you're already in college, if you're in high school and you're feeling a little overwhelmed or busy, um, things to help with productivity, etc. Now, there's tons of information for both you, for parents and families. Um, it's really, really nice to have all that information at your fingertips. Please feel free to use it, download it. It's totally available for you. Uh, second, um, we are going to be continuing on with the... Um, FAFSA train here for a few more weeks. Um, If you feel like there is someone in your life who could utilize this information, please, please, please send it to them. Also, uh, if if you are um, able to, please uh, rate this podcast, comment, subscribe, thumbs up, like it, share it. It just helps us get this information out to other students who may need it. Um, and, and hopefully they'll find, uh, some good use for it. Um, and then just a quick reminder, we are in February and February is a shorter month. Please do remember that Michigan's FAFSA deadline is March 1st. And so if you have not filled out your FAFSA for the 2022, 2023, uh, school year, it's a really great idea to connect with your college's financial aid office, your counselor, if you have a college advisor at your school, connect with one of those folks or groups of people and have them help you get your FAFSA completed. I do also, final announcement, want to apologize if you hear any cat noises. Um, My cat is sitting right next to me and refuses to not be involved in this podcast. Uh, You may have heard a little poof earlier and um, at first I thought that was me, but then I realized he touched his nose to my computer and got a little shock. So <laughs> he's here as well. Sorry if he interrupts at all. So let's go ahead and dive in, shall we? First, I want to bust a myth. And the first one is that the FAFSA is too hard to fill out. Now, I'm not going to lie. It's not the easiest form that you will encounter in your life. Just an unfortunate fact. But, but... um. 
it's not necessarily the mysterious website that asks for all of your private information. In fact, more private information than anything else has before. Um, it's not this mysterious, scary thing. It may feel like that, but that's not really what it is. So let's take a second, let's break it down, and let's talk about what the FAFSA really is. Remember, the FAFSA stands for Free Application for Federal Student Aid. So A, if someone is asking you to, to pay money to have your FAFSA completed, get out of there because that's, that's not right. It's a free application for federal student aid, okay? Now, it's, it's, um, it's a form, and in order to get access to that form, you have to create something called an FSA ID, an FSA ID. So that is going to be a secure login. They're going to have you create a secure username and password. And they're also going to have you do that by entering in um, account information. So that might feel really intense as well. Um, but again, a lot of the things that we're going to cover today when something feels like, wow, they're asking for a lot of info here. It's not that they're trying to cheat or pull information out of you. It's the government. This is, you know, if they're asking for your social security number, the government is what gave you your social security number. They have all of that stuff on record. Um, you want to make sure that you are at the FAFSA site for real. Please don't go to someplace else that doesn't end in a .gov or .gov. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you want to go to fafsa.gov, you want to go to studentaid.gov, you don't want to go to something.com, .org, .whatever, it's .gov, okay? A lot of the stuff that they're asking you, especially with this personal information, it's more of a check, right? It is proving that you are who you say you are. And so the FSA ID is a secure login, and that is going to be double-checked by having them enter, having you enter in uh, specific information as you're creating it. So when I say secure, after you create this F FSA ID, I mean, you want to keep this secure. I'm talking like Gandalf style, keep it secret, keep it safe. The FSA ID is meant as a safeguard to protect your uh, information and to protect you. So this FSA ID, this opens up a form, and that form is the FAFSA. Like I said earlier, same thing with Social Security number, etc. Again, you want to make sure that you are putting this information into a government website, so it would be fafsa.gov or studentaid.gov. But um, the government has all of your information, especially your tax info, because you submitted it to them, uh, and if you're filling it, out for the 2020-2023 year, they should have your tax information from the year 2020. So the FAFSA is confirming that you are who you say you are by confirming those records. So the, the federal government already knows, you know, they already have your tax returns. They've already processed it. They did that a couple years ago because we use prior, prior year for the FAFSA. So when you are inputting that information into this FAFSA form, what you're saying is, I am once again stating that I am this person, and this was my income, and then the government from there says, okay, this you are who you say you are, you would like to access the amount of money that we can give you uh, to attend college based on the financial status at this time. Now, it's important to say that things have changed quite drastically over the past couple of years, so um, 
if you're filling something out for 2020 and a financial situation has changed in your family, please reach out to the financial aid office at your institution because they do have options to update uh, your financial situation and that could result in you getting more aid if that's uh, something that would happen with the change in uh, income. So when you submit the tax information from 2020 for yourself, for your parents, um, that kind of acts as a confirmation or a check. And one really great thing about the FAFSA now is they have this thing called an IRS data retrieval tool and um, or the IRS DRT. And basically with, with that, you would just enter in your name, some other information, and the address that you filed those taxes from. And a really great way to show that the government already has that information, they're just doing a double check, you have to enter in that address word for word, letter for letter, punctuation for punctuation, exactly how it is on that tax return, and it'll pull all of that information for you. Now, my favorite thing about using the IRS DRT is that it cuts like 15 to 20 minutes off the FAFSA because it pulls that information for you. And instead of having that information out blatantly on the screen, how much you made, what you paid in taxes that year, what you paid in other things, um, what it does is it just says retrieved from like IRS DRT or pulled from that or whatever. So it keeps that information more private when you say, hey, IRS, you know that I did my taxes. Can you please take that information and input it into this form? Government's like, we can absolutely do that. Thank you for confirming uh, who you are based on this security check. Boom, information's in and boom, it's private. And so it makes things a lot faster. I personally think it's a lot safer because you're not having to carry around important tax documents with you or pull them out. You can leave them safely filed where they are. But then also it allows you to not have that information or those numbers up on your computer screen, which again, I think is great. So so basically, uh, an easy way to think of the FAFSA, because you know, I think people think of it as this this huge kind of mysterious monolith of a thing. But at the end of the day, the FAFSA is a form. It's a form that you fill out just like you would fill out, you know, uh, a form if you're going to the doctors for the first time. Or it's a form that you would fill out if you are wanting to join a gym or play, you know, sports at a, a public place, right? It's just something that you fill out. Um, I like to think of it like this. The FSA ID is your Facebook username and password. It's how you're going to log in. And the, the FAFSA is just the about me form. It's, it's just a form. And it really just confirms you and your parents' identity and income with the records that the government already has. It's just confirming that you are who you say you are. And it, 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 when I think about it like that, I feel like it just makes it way less scary. It's not this huge thing. I mean, it's not super simple and easy, but the form it's that's the form itself, right? There's just a lot of questions. Um, it's not that you can't find the information or that you don't know the information, but it's it's that it's a long form, and I think there's been sort of this workup around it of there's all these things. Granted, that workup happened because, you know, it was a little bit trickier to fill out. They have made some changes. So if you're doing the FAFSA now, it's much simpler uh, than it was like five years ago, six years ago. So it's definitely nicer to work with now, but I promise it's not as scary as it may seem from the outside. Um, but 
I mentioned something where you do have to make sure that your parents insert their tax information. I've had some students ask, you know, do do I really need to use my parents' information as well as mine? Maybe you're supporting yourself um, or, you know, at 18 you've moved out or, you know, whatever the, the, the deal may be. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the dependency or dependent and independent status. And we're going to talk about the ways that a student would be able uh, to identify if they were considered dependent or independent. And uh, bear with me because this is not the most exciting thing, but it's definitely super important, especially if you have a question. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to run through the list of list of questions off the FAFSA that help us to identify if a student would be independent or dependent. Now, if you answer uh, yes to any of these questions, you may be independent. And it's really going to depend on what's going on in the form. Um, but once you answer yes on the form, it'll then prompt you further. So... First question, were you 24 before January 1st of 2020 of this year? So if you were turned 24 in um, 2021, you would be considered an independent student because you are over the age of 24. Um, are you married or separated but not divorced? Are you working on a master's or a doctorate degree? That would also allow you to file as an independent uh, do you have uh, children who receive more than half of their support from you? Um, I found a really, really great document from Monroe Community College over in the state of New York. And they define support as not necessarily living with, but support includes providing more than half of that child's money, um, or I guess support through providing more of that providing more than half of that child's support through, here we go, money, gifts, loans, housing, food, clothes, car payments or expenses, medical and dental care, and payment of school costs. So that's what is considered support. So if you have children who receive more than half of their support from you based off of those things, you could be considered an independent student. Um, do you have dependents other than a spouse or a child living with you and receiving more than half of their support um, from you? What does that mean? Who is a dependent um, that is, you know, not one of your children or your spouses? And that could be people that you support. So it could be a parent or a grandparent, a cousin, um, you know, things like that. So if you answered yes to that, then you could also be considered an independent student. Um, this one's a little tricky. The last two are a little tricky too, because what does support mean? What does a dependent who's not your child or spouse mean? So um, don't worry, I'll keep explaining these if they're a little tricky. So this next one is, are you currently serving in the U.S. Armed Forces for purposes other than training? What does that mean? Um, does it mean it while you're in boot camp, you're not considered, uh, you know, an, an independent student while you're in AIT? No, um, that's not the kind of training they're talking about. What that means is if you are a National Guard or Reserve enlistee who uh, is on active duty for state or training purposes, uh, you would not be considered an independent student because of that. And that's, again, from that document from Monroe Community College of New York. Um, 
so what they mean by that is if if you're a National Guard or National Reserve uh, enlistee who is serving the purposes for the state. So if you've been called up, but not federally, rather by your state, the state that you enlisted in or you live in or you're from, uh, or if you are currently during that semester doing training, a uh, month of training, you know, or something like that, um, if it's not federal, uh, or it's just training that would not put you in a place to be considered uh, an independent student. So uh, are you a veteran of the United States Armed Forces? If the answer to that is yes, you may be considered an independent student. Since the age of 13, were both parents deceased? Were you in foster care or were you a ward or dependent of the court? If the answer to any of those questions was yes, then you could be considered an independent student. Are you an emancipated minor or are you in a legal guardianship determined by a court? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then again, uh, that could uh, have you have the status of independent student. And then the last question that they have um, is, are you an unaccompanied youth who is homeless, self-supporting, or at risk of being homeless? Now, um, I want to talk a little bit about what being homeless could mean. Uh, I think people get a certain view or, or vision or thought in their head when they think of homeless. And I think it's really important to recognize that if um, you're a student or while you were a student in high school, you were couch surfing at friends, um, you know, or relatives, you didn't have a specific home base or you weren't at home, that would be considered homeless. If you um, were living, you know, potentially out of a hotel, um, things like that. If you, um, you know, find or found yourself in any of those situations in high school, sometimes it can be difficult to talk about. Um, but the only way that you can file as independent if you're in high school and that's a situation that you find yourself in is to work with the counselors at your school. Um, and then they can help provide you with a form that would allow you to file as an independent student. Um, also, most schools have resources for those students. And so if you're in a position where you are currently homeless or at risk of becoming homeless, uh, reaching out to folks at your school. And this goes for if you're in college already. Um, if, you're f if you're finding yourself in this position, most colleges and high schools, things like that, have resources for students. So it's a great idea to reach out, uh, especially if you're thinking like, this is getting really difficult or I'm starting to get overwhelmed. But even before you get to that point, please reach out. Uh, there's tons of great resources and there's tons of really wonderful people who would be happy to help figure out um, what's going to work best for you and help you get there. So those are all the questions to decide whether or not you're independent or dependent. But what does that even mean? What, what, what is the difference between a dependent student and an independent student? So on the FAFSA, a dependent student would need to include uh, their parents' uh, taxes as well as their own, if they have any, on the FAFSA for that year. So say that I was a dependent student. What would happen is that one of my parents, uh, if I had two parents, one of them 
um, would want to create an FSA ID and then they would help me fill it out. You only need one parent if both of your parents are married or together. Now, if your parents are divorced, what I would recommend doing is whoever provides, again, more than half of your support, um, that parent would be the one that you would want to have create the FSA ID and fill out the FAFSA with you. So it's based off of support. So um, some folks would say, hey, you know, if you're living with this parent, there's 365 days. What is the parent that you're with that one extra day if it's 50% of time? Another really easy way to look at that is whose insurance are you on? Um, you know, and kind of go from there. Um, and so depending on that, it'd be the parent that you would want to have help you fill out the FAFSA who provides over half of your support. So... Um, that would be, I think, kind of the gist of dependent, basically, is that your parents are going to have to include. Now, if you live more than half time or have support more than half time from one of your parents and they've gotten remarried, your step parent, um, their information would also go on the FAFSA um, because they are now providing that support. Um, and so there's a, you know, it'll kind of talk you through, there are some blurbs on there, but just kind of keep that in mind that, um, say your step parent and your parent got married in 2021, they may have separate information for 2020. That's something that you might want to think about. Um, and just kind of see how that fits. That's a situation that I would highly recommend reaching out to your school's financial aid office with, um, for definitely do that. Um, because they're going to be able to help you easily with those nuances. Um, an independent student is a student who doesn't have to put their parents' financial information on there. Uh, there is an option for students to do that, and you definitely can if you'd like to, um, but it's not required as long as you are an independent student. So with this Michigan Reconnect, uh, it's for students, right, who are 25 and older and don't have their associate's degree yet. If you're over 25, you are considered an independent student, so you don't need any of your parents' financial information to complete the FAFSA. It's just you. So um, that makes it quite a bit quicker, I think, at times, uh, especially if you can use the IRS DRT for your taxes. You get to cut out, like, a whole section of the form. makes it go through a lot quicker. Um... I think it's important to note, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, if your financial situation has changed since 2020, I know that there were a lot of job layoffs, um, folks have lost their job over the past couple of years. Um, if the, the financial status of 2020 does not reflect where you are at now in 2022, um, please reach out to the financial aid office of the institution that you're looking to attend. That is a form that they can help you fill out and make sure that you are able to adjust your financial information so that you receive the financial aid that you should. Um, a little bit quicker episode today. Uh, the dependent and independent stuff is not super long, but it's kind of confusing. So please, if you have questions, you can always email me at podcastcollegetalk at gmail.com. I'd be happy to answer those questions to the best of my ability or... I'd be happy to help you find the contact information and get connected with a financial aid office of an institution that you're interested in. Whether or not they are in the state that I'm in, I'm happy to help you figure that out and, and reach out to them. Um, do keep in mind that there are a specific deadlines for each state for the FAFSA to get completed. 
Um, I did discuss that in the last episode. So please check that out. Um, it, it goes through all of them, including the special state aid um, scholarships and things that come with it. Uh, and those are super important because those are helpful additions to the financial aid fund. Now, a couple key reminders about the FAFSA. If you take out the FAFSA, it, or if you complete the FAFSA, it does not mean that you have to take out loans. So please don't let the fear of student loans stop you from filling out the FAFSA. Some things the FAFSA does do, if you qualify, it provides you with gift aid or essentially money that you don't have to pay back, right? Free money. That is through the Pell Grant. Um, certain colleges and institutions also have grant money that they offer and scholarship money they offer, um, as well as community organizations and other things like that. But you have to have your FAFSA filed for most of those things to go through. So um, it it's it's tedious and it's a lot, um, but definitely make sure that you fill out your FAFSA. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. Once you fill out your FAFSA for the first time, because you're using the FSA ID, that secure login, some of that information is saved so that you don't have to re-enter in as much stuff the second time and the third time that you do your FAFSA makes it a lot easier, a lot faster. But do remember, you do have to do your FAFSA for every year that you're in college if you want to receive federal aid. That was so much information. I feel like I end every podcast by saying, I'm sorry, that was so much information. But please, uh, you know, if you're feeling a little foggy on something, go ahead and go back and read it. Um, just so you know, I got all of these questions from studentaid.gov, which is exactly where the FAFSA is. So if you have questions about dependency, you can easily just jump on studentaid.gov and check that out. Um, and you know, definitely, like I said, if you feel like you've got a special situation or a circumstance that is a little bit different than most students, please reach out to uh, that the institution's um, financial aid office, and they will definitely be able to help you out. Um, another really great thing that we have here in the state of Michigan is the um, MISSG or Michigan uh, Student Scholarships and Grants. Uh, and so that's Michigan's state aid organization. I want to make sure that I have that right. It's been a little while since I um, have done a ton of stuff. Um, but let's see. Yep, MISSG. Um, that's fantastic. They have a student portal. They have a um, counselor portal. So if we have any counselors listening, also a college aid administrator um, portal. But uh, Michigan Student Aid is an awesome resource. They oftentimes will have different regional financial aid or FAFSA informational sessions. So if you have questions, you can check it out. They've got saving and planning options for families um, and all sorts of really great stuff. So if you have questions or concerns, uh, Michigan Student Aid is another great place to check out. Um, you can just Google MISSG and it'll take you right there. And again, that is M-I-S-S-G, um, Michigan Student Aid. Awesome. So uh, if you don't live in Michigan, I would suggest typing in Nebraska student aid and just seeing what pops up your government your state government probably has some sort of option for you to check out and I would highly recommend that you do and like I said today's a little bit of a shorter episode a uh, very jam-packed full of information but hopefully the slightly shorter episode was a little bit better for you um, yeah, please subscribe, rate, like, share, etc, etc. Give us a comment. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't. 
Um, it does, like I said, uh, help us get shared a little bit farther and a little bit wider. And uh, I definitely appreciate getting some of this free college info out there to more students. Um, yeah, I think that's all for today. You know, as always, it has been my absolute pleasure to chat with you here today on College Talk.